I'd like to say that it's a privilege and, and to, to be here. We're happy to be here this morning with you to worship together. And uh, once again, I can, I can say that uh, our gathering together in, from the singing through the Sunday school hour to this moment has, has blessed me. It's been good to be a part of, of your Sunday school uh, discussion here today. <clears throat> For some reason, um, I've been thinking about how how nice a, a room looks after it's freshly painted. And uh, and as we went through the the, le- the Sunday school lesson this morning, um, the verse there that it talked about the the vesture of of Christ being stained with blood, and I thought about the the significance of that being the shed blood of Jesus, how that when our lives are, are painted with the blood of Christ, it makes us clean. You know what? What makes a, a freshly painted room look so beautiful is that all the black marks, all the scuffs, all the imperfections are covered up. And that's what uh, the blood of Jesus does for us. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm thankful for that. A question I might ask myself is how thankful am I for that? The title of the lesson that I'd like to share with us today is Courageous Cowards. And I know that's an oxymoronic title for a lesson. But maybe you'll understand what I'm getting at when, uh, when we, as we go through this lesson. I'm going to read a few verses from uh, the 16th chapter of Mark. Also, um, I think it was mentioned this morning that last week maybe Mark spoke a little bit about being ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and that's that rang in my ears as that was shared. I, I would have liked to have heard that that message because it, it sounds like it probably would have dovetailed uh, very well with our thoughts um, this morning. I'm going to read uh, from chapter 16 in the book of Mark. I'm going to just uh, jump in at verse 9, and we'll read most of the rest of the chapter here. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, had not and had been seen of her, believed not. After that he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In in my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I'm going to conclude there. The, the main thought of this is on the words of Jesus to his disciples in what we often call the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, 
uh, Matthew's account of this found in the, the last few words of, of the book that Matthew wrote. It says, And Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, the, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And and there was some things that, that we may not... Um, we understand that this commission was given by Jesus to his disciples. And yet, in a, at least in a general sense, and, and, and I, I think we believe this because of not only these verses, but other verses in Scripture, that this, at least in part, is meant for all believers everywhere, including us today, to go into the world and be a testimony of Jesus, of who he is, what he has done for us. And I wonder sometimes, how good or how poor of a job have I and am I doing? Have I done and am I doing in, in that commandment to be a light? And, and we, we talk often about how wonderful it is to, to have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives to have the rooms of our hearts painted with the blood of Jesus so that so that all those imperfections, all those black marks, all those sins and all those failures in our life can be can be covered by the blood of Jesus. It would seem that when that really takes place and we and we are cognizant of that, we understand that clearly that that without Jesus we have no hope. And yet, why is it so hard sometimes to go and, and tell, to go and share that? And there's a couple of things that, that brought me to this title of a courageous coward. And I'm not here to pass that as judgment on you. You let the, the lesson um, affect you however it may or challenge you. I, I, I focus mainly on myself when I, when I think of this this uh, title, <clears throat> because frankly, when I, when I sit here in this circle or in a circle of believers, probably it's obvious to you that I, it's easy for me to engage in, in a Bible study and conversation. It's, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, and, you know, I really enjoy a good discussion on, uh, with, with God's people around the word of god around i enjoy that as 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 much or more than i enjoy talking to a, a bunch of other truck drivers about trucks or a, about farms or about the weather i really enjoy that and i feel quite uh, courageous in in getting involved in that discussion but then when i leave the doors and all of a sudden i realize i'm in front of people that might that might uh, respond differently, I suddenly find myself cowering. Interestingly, as I thought about this, I thought about a, a different illustration of a courageous coward in, I'll call him my boss, the, the man that I, that I work with. Uh, he had a dog. He was a red healer. And I've always liked healers, probably a lot more than my mother-in-law likes healers. 
I had a red healer and a blue healer once, but this man had a had a a little red healer. And that dog at least wanted you to believe that he just hated you. Every time I would pull into that driveway, he would come with his hackles standing on end, the hair standing straight up on his back, all the way down his back. And he he literally would come and, and bite you if you didn't pay attention. But I decided to try something. I didn't know if it would pay off or not, but I just turned and went straight at him. And you know he turned around and ran away. As soon as I would stop and turn around, here he would come again. But when I would face him, he, he was a coward, literally a coward. He would tuck his tail and run away. Um, and, and he actually did bite the wrong person one time, and his name was River. River suddenly found himself floating downstream. But anyway, I looked at the example of that dog and I thought he's, he's a bit of a he's, a, he's a courageous coward. You know, he, he, when he thought he was in control, he, uh, he had all the courage in the world. But suddenly, when you, when you faced him, he became a coward. And I just, I, I don't know how you might uh, consider this, but when you think about your testimony of Jesus Christ, when you think about your your character in this world how does it how does it speak to others and you know there are a, there are a couple of phrases that that i have heard and and they're very common you you've heard them too one of those is uh i and i don't know who this quote came from i i don't know it doesn't matter but there's the quote someone said i'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one and and you know what that's not all bad, really. It's not, and and the other phrase that I'm thinking about is is that actions speak louder than words. There's a ton of truth in that saying that actions do speak louder than words. Because if I stand here and 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 talk all day about the the goodness of God and and what He has done for me and and how He has saved my life, and I walk out that door and I go down to the tavern and I and I go off in 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 various wicked ways. Are the people that heard those words, when they see that, those actions, what are the words going to mean to them? They're nothing but empty words. In fact, they're, they're words of hypocrisy. And they become, I, I believe, judgment upon us even. And so actions do indeed speak louder than words in, in some ways. But just thinking about it, I, I want to also extend a caution on embracing Let's just pull this one out that actions speak louder than words. I want to, I want to pour out a caution because I believe that there have been times in my own life where I have maybe taken that phrase and tried to justify keeping my mouth shut and thinking I'll just live like a Christian and they can see my actions and glorify God which is in heaven. I don't think that's really a good attitude to have. And here's one thing that I've thought about along this line. I know people, numerous people, that, that live very, very clean, upright lives. Lives of integrity. Lives that in some ways and sometimes put me to shame as a Christian. 
but they don't have Jesus in their heart. And you think, well, how, is, that, is that possible? Yes, it's possible for ungodly men to practice godly principles. It's very possible. And we see it. And it's been one of the cries of my heart or one of the things that in, in my heart that, that kind of screams, it's not fair. It's not fair in our human thinking. It's not fair to see someone who is a good person. They live their life, maybe from maybe all their life, expressing very good and clean and character and high integrity. But if they don't claim the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're lost. And then there's here, here, here's me who has who has slipped and slid around various times. Can I be granted a place in heaven? Can I be given salvation when in ways I've been shown up by someone in the world? I believe so because of what the word says. I've claimed the blood of Jesus Christ in my life. So back to this thought. Actions speak louder than words. They do. Many times they do. But I want to ask you a question. Is our actions enough? Is it enough to just try to live so that as people look at us, is that enough? Or is there a time when we need to open our mouth and confess Jesus Christ? I would submit that there are there is a time that we need to do that. I watched a, a video clip. <clears throat> Some of you young ones are not going to recognize this name, but you older ones probably will. I watched a video clip one time on, on an interview where where a, uh, a I believe he was primarily a, a television host of a of a talk show a show of some kind his name is Johnny Carson and I know some of you older people recognize that name he was very popular and and I am not here in the least to pass judgment on him but I believe he would have been classified as a, as a very liberal and and very possibly an ungodly man. Again, I don't want to express that in a judgmental way. But his his character, his his talk, his 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 deportment would lead you to believe that he had very little, if any, time for God. He was that type of a person. And yet, one I I watched this clip of him as he interviewed Billy Graham, a man who spent almost all of his life in evangelistic work, evangelizing the world. <clears throat> and it was challenging to me to see this man, Billy Graham, sit and, and look Johnny Carson right straight in the eyes. And they had this, this various, these varying discussions on different subjects. And finally, Johnny Carson looked at Billy Graham and he said, what do you envision about death? And Billy Graham looked him straight in the eye and he says, when I envision death, he said, I envision heaven. Because he said, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt when I die, I'm going to heaven. And he continued to look Johnny Carson right straight in the eye and he says, I'm not going there because I'm something good. He says, I'm not going there because I'm an evangelist. I'm not going there because of anything I've said, anything I've done. He says, I'm going there because Jesus died for me. He, he died and gave his life for sinners like me and like you. 
He looked straight into Johnny Carson's eyes. And and Johnny Carson was not a, a personality that would easily be set back. But he sat there with this surprised look on his face for a little bit. And I, I have to admit, I was I was impressed by the the ease and the the ease that Billy Graham showed talking to someone that I would have been I would have been I would have been scared to death probably I'd have been a coward. Well you might say, well yeah, but that's all Billy Graham did. Well that's true, but that's more of what I ought to be doing. It's more of what we ought to be doing. Not just by living a good Christian life. It is, that is important. But we have a mouth. And we use them every day. How much of it, how much of, uh, of my time do I use speaking, um, in the promotion of my Savior and promoting Jesus Christ? So I was challenged by, uh, by Billy Graham's courage as, and his openness to share his faith. Even when it perhaps would have seemed like it may do little or no good. I want to read also a passage from uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to, I'll just, I don't know, I'll, I'll start at the first, first verse here, Romans chapter 10, and maybe read 12 or 13 verses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, Who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I'm going to conclude reading there just for the constraints of time. Because that verse... Uh, Nine and ten are are the are the focus of our of our thoughts in this. Now, I, I believe uh, that the context of this verse, verse nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In the context of this, 
this is this is more of a a a personal confession for our own if i can say for our own salvation and there's a there's an example that we're all familiar with i'm not going to turn there but the the account in scripture about the ethiopian eunuch as he had gone up to jerusalem to worship and he was returning home in his chariot and the, and the lord sent philip unto him and he says go and join yourself up with this chariot and so he did he runs up to this ethiopian eunuch stop your chariot and he he sees that this Ethiopian eunuch is is reading from the scriptures. He's reading from the, the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked him, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And what did the eunuch say? No, basically he said, no, I don't understand. How can I understand if no one will show me, if no one will teach me? And And so... Then Philip gets up into the chariot with the eunuch and they proceed on their way. But it says there in that story, it says that Philip began to what? He said he began, he preached unto him Jesus. And, and as they came along, they came to a body of water. And, and the eunuch says, well, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? So obviously it, it, it goes without being said that in this instruction that Philip had given the eunuch he had he had discussed baptism with him obviously because they're they're riding along in this chariot and they see water and the eunuch says well here's water why can't I be baptized and and Philip said if you believe with all your heart you can and what did the eunuch say he said here's his confession here's his confession that I believe is exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans the ninth chapter that we just talked about that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That was his confession. And that's kind of what we, I, tend to look at when I read that story. But you know, there was another, there was another confession going on in that story with Philip and the eunuch. And I believe it's when, it's confession that, that Philip was making as he taught, he told the eunuch, he says, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus did for me. And this is what the, the scriptures mean. And he said he preached unto him Jesus. He was confessing Jesus, not in quite the context. It's a different context of confession. You see, there's a time where as we come to Christ in our lost condition, we come to Christ we do need to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and He died for my sins. That is one confession. But then it's another type of confession that once we are saved, we go out and we confess to others what Jesus did for us and what He can do for them, what He wants to do for them. And that's the confession that I cower at. How courageous are you as you uh, live out your lives? We had another dog one time. This was one that we had. He was a great hunting dog. He was a hunting dog. He was a terrible hunting dog. He was a dog that was bred for hunting. And I took him hunting one time. 
You know, he was a bird dog. You would think that a bird dog um, would be able to handle the noise of a shotgun blast behind him. The first time I squeezed the trigger, that dog turned around and ran back to the pickup and cowered under the pickup so much that I, I'm, I'm sure it's been a long, long time ago. But I'm sure to get that dog out of there, I had to crawl on my hands and knees or on my belly underneath there and grab his back leg and drag him out from under there. And we never went hunting again, needless to say. Um, that dog was just a coward. There was nothing courageous about him, I guess, unless it was when he saw you going down the driveway at home and he would soon be in his comfort zone. I want to be careful um, about not passing judgment on, on all people because there's, I'll have to admit that, that it's not real hard. It's, it's, it can be hard at times, but it's usually not real hard for, for me to stand in front of people and not everybody's that way. There are people that find it very, very difficult to talk to people. And even in, in life in general, it's hard for me to pass somebody going through the doors at Walmart or a convenience store or somewhere. It's hard for me to just pass them and not say hello or not say something to them. So it, it, it's not hard for me to talk to people. And some and some folks can't say that. Some people are just generally more timid. And and I do want to be compassionate toward those who are of a shyer type. But I also want to challenge us that that even we don't let our shyness turn us into cowards. There's a difference. There's a difference between being shy and and, and being a coward. And the reason I'm think, thinking about uh, Mark's message apparently last Sunday about being ashamed because that that word being ashamed comes it enters in here you know there you know the bottom line if I'm a if I, if I'm too afraid to go out and and share um, my testimony of of what the Lord has done for me to others and to encourage them to to claim this Savior Jesus is it because I'm ashamed? Possibly, and we know that uh, we have we have scripture that tells us that if we are ashamed of of Christ, that He will one day be ashamed of us as well. So um, I I leave the the lesson with you this morning, um, not as not as judgment. Like I say, this is more of a confession on some of my weaknesses and some of my. Um, cowardice as a Christian but maybe however it may affect you I I know there are I know that as a congregation you know in times past you've done you've done uh, outreach things and and our congregation uh, has done a few outreach things as well and and you know I, I want to commend all of us for that and encourage us but but I also know how easy it is for me and I have I have friends I have friends that I've gotten really close to. One I'm working with right now, a young guy. He's he's our son Justin's age within a couple of years. Not Justin, Eric's age within a couple of years. And I remember the first day I met him, my first impression of him was he was a bit cocky and arrogant and, and 
and that. But as I've gotten to know him, I, I really, I really appreciate him. And yet I know he doesn't know Christ. I haven't said anything to him about it yet. And for whatever reason, I know he respects me. So I, I have every reason. But I haven't. So probably all of you could preach this sermon to me would be better um, than otherwise. But uh, I just share this as, as a, uh, an encouragement to you that as you have opportunity, tell the world what Jesus has done. Tell them how he's painted the, the room of your heart with his, through, by his blood and has erased all the, all the black marks. And I think we find that it will bless us. Uh, what shall we sing?